I had a plan for tonight, which was we were going to wrap up our, our series in the light values. Um, and I don't know if we'll get there tonight. I'm going to start with the same thing I was going to start with, but we may not get to the end, end point. So if that doesn't happen um, and you take notes, don't be too frustrated with me, all right? Um, so I want to... I want to... Um, I want to talk about, um, well, originally, okay, we were going to talk about the, uh, this idea, this value of purposeful equipping, okay? And I want to start the same place I was going to start with, but we may just get stuck in the beginning of this. That, that might be the, the journey tonight. I don't know. And God might want to make the point of this something different. So we'll see, all right? Um, but something that's been on my heart even before this, actually this is from a few weeks ago, um, is this, um, this part of who we are in God, and it, it's already kind of come up in the room tonight, this part of who we are in God. Um, God says we're a lot of things to him, and um, one of the things that we are to God is um, first and foremost, and this is, this is core to our value here at the, uh, at the Light Church, is we're his family, his children, sons and daughters. If you are a part of the family of God, if, you're, if you know, um, thank you, you read my mind. Cynthia hears from God really well. <laughs> For herself and others, and then she's just very generous. Thank you. I don't know where my cup got to. So I got <laughs> Last time you, you brought two up, you know, just knew. Um, <laughs> I get dehydrated, even on a cold day like this. Um, so where were we? Uh, talking about identity, okay? So if, if, if you've said yes to Jesus, you're, you're not actually, um, first and foremost, a Christian, um, actually, a Christian was a term that was given, uh, actually kind of derogatory term given to those that followed the way, and the way was Jesus. Um, but actually, first and foremost, who you are to God now is you're a son and a daughter, okay? Son or a daughter. And so if you're his and you said yes to Jesus, actually who you are to God is you're a son and a daughter. You are, he is your Father and actually that term Father comes up over and over and over again in the Gospels and actually um, Jesus is the one who introduces us to um, prayer and talking to God in that way referring to Him as our Father and uh, Romans says that Jesus is the first Son among many among many and and the idea there is that Jesus has blazed a trail this lineage for us to follow into. And that God, um, in bringing his son, he didn't just, um, you know, create some spots in heaven for us, but he actually created spots at the table of the family of God. It's in your Bible, I promise you. But there's this other part. So that's called sonship, okay, or daughtership. Um, and it's, this, it's, it's actually one of the core um, understandings of Christianity. But much of the church is sort of lost um, 
an awareness of how amazing this idea of sonship is. And, and actually that um, Jesus, when he went to the cross, the joy set before him. What was the joy set before him? I think one of the parts of the joy set before him was this vision that he had um, that allowed him to endure great suffering and pain. And the vision was a family. The vision was a family. It was you and me um, gathered around the table of God enjoying this feast of his presence. So sonship is this core essential understanding. And, and it, I, I think God is taking us on this journey of really understanding who we are in him. And it starts and ends with that. But there's this other aspect of who we are to God and how he sees us. And it actually flows out of sonship. And I want to talk about it tonight. And it's called, it's called the priesthood of all believers. Have you heard that term before? That's also in your Bible. Um, it, it's actually sort of... Uh, an adapted title to a verse from Second Peter. So I want to read that verse, and I want to explain it for a minute, and we're going to go back Old Testament for a few minutes, and like I said, journey, okay? Can you, can you journey with me? All right. Start, actually, uh, did I say Second Peter? I meant First Peter, First Peter 2, not Second Peter 1, First Peter 2, okay? It gets confusing when there's multiple books Written with the same name, First John, Second John, Third John, Fourth John. Actually, that's called Revelations. Okay, First Peter two. Okay, and he's talking about uh, what Christ has accomplished, and um, it, Christ is referred here as the Living Stone. The living stone. All right, I want to read. I was just deciding how much of this to read. I just want to read verse 9 and 10. First Peter 2, verse 9 and 10. It says this. It says, but you, but you are chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. How many of you, when you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror and you say, what would you look at that? God's special possession is staring me in the face. Well, you might want to do that. You might write it on your mirror. Your roommates might be totally confused. But that's what it says here. You're his special possession. It's as if God wants you to know you mean something to him. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? See, in the church, we have a self-esteem problem. We call it humility. Did you catch that? We, we actually think lower of ourselves than God does. And it's not humility. It's false humility. Humility is agreeing with the truth. And God says something about us. He's actually elevated us in the gospel. And we didn't do anything to deserve it. So hear me. That's, you're not special because you did anything to deserve it, that designation. But you're special because of when God looks at you, that's what he thinks. Are you with me? That's, that's part of the good news. You're loved by God. You're loved by God not just because he's got extra love to go around. You're loved by God because he made you. 
And he made you special and with a purpose. You can smile about that. Come on, come on, people. Are you here tonight? Are you with me? Are you just really cold? Get some water, get some hot water, okay? You are God's special possession. Listen to this. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into the wonderful light. Where are you headed? Into the light. (laughs) That was a good word. I was like, I read that somewhere. I'm trying to remember where I heard that. Yeah, it's right here. God, that was his vision for you. Called you out of darkness. And he called you into this wonderful light. It's called the family of God. It's called knowing him. It says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Of God, Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is, this is the good news. This is the gospel. This is what God has accomplished through his son. How did all these things become possible? How did you get this new identity? You got it because God said, I, I want to redeem you. I want to bring you back into a realization of who I made you to be. I want to restore my creation to its original purpose and design and intent. And I will accomplish that. And the way it was accomplished was when God sent his son and he endured what we should have received as the penalty of rebellion against God because actually in our hearts, our hearts rebelled against God. It's what we were born into. We were born into the rebellion. And God said, but I love you so much, and I want you to know me, and I want to know you. And so I'm, I'm paying the price to buy you back. And I'm inviting you in to this family through my son and his work on your behalf. And so when you step in, you step in. You come into the family of God as sinners saved by grace. But once you step into the family, you're no longer in God's sight seen as a sinner. You're seen as a son and a daughter. And then there's more to it. You're seen as a holy nation, a a royal priesthood, God's special possession. And I want to talk about that word royal priesthood. That's two words, actually. I want to talk about those words tonight, royal priesthood. What does it mean for us to be a royal priesthood in God? And and that's ultimately going to lead us to this value of of um, purposeful equipping, but I don't know if it's going to lead there tonight. So if we don't get there tonight, it's in your cliff notes if you have one of the zines, or you can grab one on the way out, and, and we'll expound on it in the future. Um, so I just don't think we're going to get there tonight, okay? Um, unless we don't want to eat chili, and I know you guys really want to eat chili. We have chili tonight for dinner, okay? Say amen, or, or do this. That was the weakest amen. That's why we don't say amen here, because you can't say it and really mean it, you guys. We do this instead, or double amen right here. Raise the roof, okay. All right, so I want to, this passage right here, okay, 1 Peter 2, where it says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. There's actually a... um, there's actually a historical precedent for this title um, because, see, actually, way before Jesus came and did what he did to accomplish this, God had a vision for it already. He desired for the people whom he chose, the original nation of God, which was Israel, he had a desire for that people to be a royal priesthood. 
let me let me rewind. Okay, let me rewind to this where it is actually. It's in uh, Exodus 19. So I want to read a portion of that uh, real quick and um, explain this because in in the Old Testament, actually, way back in the beginning, okay, God He begins to form this. Um, people whom he calls to himself, and it starts with this man Abram, and it continues through his family and his family's family, and and God gives this man a promise that through you I'm going to bless all creation, and you're going to be blessed, and 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 through the blessing on your life you're going to be a blessing to all nations, all people. Okay, so there's this um, actually covenant that God makes with Abram. And uh, with his family and his family's family, it's, it's a covenant that goes uh, through their lineage. And it eventually leads to this people called Israel, whom God calls out. And he calls them into this covenant relationship. And now it's this, um, it's this man, Moses. Anybody heard of him? Um, so, in Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. Anybody ever heard about the Ten Commandments? Okay. Well, right before the Ten Commandments, there's this moment with God that Moses has. And actually, it wasn't just supposed to be Moses. It was supposed to be Moses and the people. And this is what God says in Exodus 19. Let me see if I can find it here. This is what it says. And this is what is referred to in 1 Peter, okay? Hopefully I haven't lost yet. He says, although, in verse 5, okay, last part of verse 5. Sorry, I'll just read verse, whole thing of verse 5, it's good, and it connects to it. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Does that sound familiar? Ah, okay. It's like these words were spoken before. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. It's like God really wanted to do this. And you know, you know what happens when God wants to do something? He does it. He does it, okay? All right. So he really wanted to do this. He says, you will be... For me, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, these are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So here's Moses with God, friend, in communion, communication. And, and God says, guess what? This isn't just for you. This is for all of Israel. I want to make Israel my chosen possession. I want to make Israel a kingdom of priests. And I want to make Israel a holy nation for, for what? The whole world to be blessed by. And as they live out this relationship, the world is going to see who I am. Okay? That was God's vision for this. So Moses goes back and he summons all the elders and he tells them what God told them. And they say something really good, which you want to hear from the people. They say, we will do everything the Lord has said. That's good. All right? That's what you want to hear. I don't know if they really meant it, but they said it. Okay? I think they really meant it at that point. But they didn't know what was required. Okay? So they said, we're going to do everything the Lord says. That's good. And then the Lord says to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in me. So 
What was the vision? The vision was to make an entire people a holy nation. An entire people a kingdom of priests. An entire people his treasured possession. Okay? But when we get into what that actually looks like and what it means, it gets a little scary. It gets a little dicey. It, uh, things kind of go awry. God told Moses, I want you to set the people apart. I want you to prepare them because coming to meet with me, it's not like a walk in the park. It's, it, it, it's a little frightening. Okay? In light of the holiness of God, all right, the people come to him and God says, look, you can't just come near to me. You can't just step into my presence. It's not that easy. That's not how it works. In light of your fallenness, in light of my holiness, you can't just cruise on in, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, like, um, hey, God, <laughs> let's hang out. That's, that's not how it worked, okay? I know we're, we're used to that, but that's not how it works here, okay? And so um, there's, this, there's this moment where he says, prepare the people, consecrate the people, set them apart. Set the hearts apart that they'll be ready to enter my presence. And um, in the middle of that, I think the people realize, you know what? Maybe, maybe this isn't such a good idea. Maybe this isn't what we want after all. Maybe this is just a little too frightening for us. God, we know what you said. We know what you said you wanted us to be. But I don't know if we can handle it. That's what happens here. So I'm going to, I'm kind of giving you a summary of that. And but there's this, this part right here at the end. So God, Moses goes up. Everybody sees him go off. He goes up the mountain to meet with God. And he gets the Ten Commandments. And then it says this in verse 18 of chapter 20. It says, When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. Now what happens when you're afraid? They stayed at a distance, and they said to Moses, and this, this is a really tragic verse right here, so I want you to catch the moment here. In light of what God said, his design and his desire was for his people. They said to Moses, speak to us yourself, and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us, or we will die. Whose idea was that? Who, who thought that? They did. I mean, they kind of did the math and they said, this is just too much. God is too holy. We're too sinful. We can't enter his presence. We know he wants us as a chosen possession, but it's just too scary. So instead, Moses, you, you, you do the talking. You do the listening. You go. We'll stay here. Safe here. Safe. They wanted safety. at the cost of intimacy, at the cost of filling their purpose in God, at the cost of God's desire for them apart from everyone else on the earth. Well, I think there's something there for us, okay? So what happened? The people remained at a distance. Well, actually, Moses said this to them. He said, do not be afraid, okay? So Moses is like, look, I know how you're feeling, but God is good, okay? 
God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. And so he's saying, you know, this fear, God actually wants to drive it so that you will walk upright with him, not so that you will run from him. God's desire was that they would be near him, not away from him. But the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thickness, the thick darkness where God was. Really tragic part of scripture. We see that, you know, the people said, okay, we just want to do what God says. We don't actually want to know him. We don't actually want to be near him. It's, it's too much for us. And in some ways, can you blame them? Can you blame them? I mean, we don't, we don't really know this, this, what this life was like. At least I hope not. But God had this desire and design for his people. And I, I want us to see that tonight because that desire and design still exists. And so Moses becomes the representative before, um, before God for the people. And, and, and they were content with this covenant of things to do. And, and in that, they thought, okay, God says, okay, I'm going to work with you. I still want relationship with you. He didn't say, okay, fine. See you guys later. And, and I think actually it was the appeal of Moses on their behalf that, that really moved God's heart to say, okay, I'm going to continue to work with this people, even though they can't see the vision that I have, and even though they don't want what I desire for them, I'm going to work with them. And so he gives them this covenant, and, and part of this covenant is, you know what? Okay, if you just want, um, you want my word, but you don't want me, I'll show you what it's like to, to try and walk out my word. To try and be like me. See, God says, I was going to make, I want to make you a holy nation. And the people said, no, we just want all the things to do to be holy. That's basically what happened. And so they got this, this covenant of command, 600 and plus, 600 and, I don't know, 60, somewhere around there, a lot of things to do if you wanted to be holy, if you want to be set apart. And God said, okay, if you do these things, then there'll be blessing. If you don't do these things, there'll be curses. And somehow the people thought that was a good deal. Somehow they, they just, they said, all right, oh, we, could, we could do this, all right? We can do this. There's something about religion where just having, having things spelled out for us is just the preferred way. But that's not what God desired. Relationship in some ways is harder, and in other ways it's way more beautifully simple. Because God said, all right, you're going to find out how hard it is to do this. It's actually impossible. But that was the old covenant. And so when Jesus comes, when Jesus comes, he comes to accomplish what the people couldn't. See, if Jesus doesn't walk in perfection, then the old covenant isn't fulfilled. And then the new one never enters into the picture. But he did. And he walked in perfection. He walked it out. He said, I come to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. Why? Because he saw that by fulfilling the law, by completing what the people couldn't do, he could bridge the gap between them and God. 
between us and a loving father. Us and a father that desired us to know him and desired us to be this treasured possession. To be a priesthood. What does that mean? Okay, so Jesus comes and he actually accomplishes it. And if you read the book of Hebrews, you know, just like in your spare time for fun kind of stuff, the book of Hebrews is amazing. But I never understood it, okay? But if you read the book of Hebrews as the uh, amazingness of what God has accomplished on our behalf in Jesus and the sufficiency of Jesus to accomplish what we couldn't do, all of a sudden the book of Hebrews will become pretty incredible. It, it's, it is incredible. Whether that happens for you or not, it's incredible. I love the book of Hebrews now because that's what it's, it showed me. And the, and the book of Hebrews shows us the sufficiency of Jesus to accomplish what we couldn't. See, this, this was the moment where um, God's people went through this long journey of figuring out how impossible it was to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish on their behalf. And then Jesus comes and he accomplishes it for us. Um, so this priesthood thing, what is it? Um, I want to find this one verse real quick. Sorry, I didn't organize my notes well here. But there's this passage that talks about the priesthood and what the priesthood is and um, how it relates to us. So God has said in the New Testament, in what we just read in First Peter, that he's making us. We are to him a holy priesthood. What does that mean? Um, before I get to this verse in Hebrews, if I can't find it, um, or if I can find it. Um, you know, you guys have ever heard of the Reformation? It's a little, little blip of a moment in our history. Um, a, a moment that really changed some things. Some positively, some negatively really believe. Um, But at the core of the Reformation, which was this moment in the life of the church where some people rose up and said, you know what, there's things that are happening in the church that are grieving the heart of God and things that need to be changed, and we're we're not going to stand for it anymore, and we're going to see those things um, altered so that people can actually know who God is. And so one of the things that happened as a result of the Reformation was the Bible became accessible in a way that had never been before to ordinary people like you and me. Can you imagine just having to go by what the priest said about who God is and what God says? It actually could be pretty easy for that to be twisted and skewed and misunderstood. So there's a limit, there was a, a limiting of information that happened that kept people illiterate about who God was and what he was like. And so the Reformation, one of the things that came about through that and then um, later on with the printing press, the word of God became accessible in a way that it had never been before for the people of God. And as you can imagine, that led to people actually knowing God in a way that they hadn't before. Pretty incredible. So at the core of the Reformation, there was three things that um, Martin Luther and others set out to accomplish to see change. One was that um, the word of God would be central. It's called sola scriptura, the idea that the scripture stands alone and it, it is um, God's word to us and we, and we follow it wholly and completely. 
The second thing was, um, what was the second thing? Faith alone, okay? This idea that salvation comes apart from works. Thank you, sir. Um, the very thing that God was trying to speak to us through his son. The very thing that the people um, didn't understand in the Old Testament so many times over and over again. So salvation comes through Christ alone, by faith alone, okay? And the third thing that came in the Reformation that they sought to accomplish was this idea of the priesthood of all believers. It was this idea that God has actually created his people. Um, he's given us core to our identity, this call to all be representatives of him. Are you with me? Hebrews, what it says is the priest, the, the high priest, so um, the high priest represented the people before God, or represented God before the people. That was the role of the priest. And historically in the church, the priest was that person. And so if you wanted access to God, you had to come through the priest. In the Old Testament, actually, the priest was the only one that got to participate in the inner workings of the temple and in the um, behind the scenes of, of worship. But even then, okay, even then, get this, um, the priest um, had no confidence before God. The priest had no confidence before God. This is in Hebrews. If you read through Hebrews, you'll see this. Why didn't the priest have confidence before God? It was the same reason that the people didn't have confidence before God when they showed up at the mountain. Like, that's how wide the divide is between God's holiness and, and our sinfulness. The priest didn't have confidence before God. He had to do every single thing right before he went into the temple. And then there was one day a year that the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. And that day, more than any day, was probably um, the day that he dreaded. You know why? Because if he did one single thing wrong in, according to what God had called him to do, that was it. You get, you get what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah, you want to tell, what was on his ankle? Yeah, okay, you know about this? How weird would it be if I'm standing up here with a, a rope on an ankle? <laughs> there was this rope that the, the priest tied to his ankle. You know why he tied that rope? It wasn't like a good luck charm. It was so they could fetch him out, okay? If he went in and they didn't hear anything, I think it had, did it have bells on it? Yeah, jingle bells. That's where it really came from. Jingle bells was a really good thing. You know why? Because it meant he's still alive. So when he walked in and you could hear, it's a good sign, okay? If they didn't hear anything for a little while, he must have done something wrong. And pull him out because he's done. That was the high priest. So you see the picture there? In the old covenant, there was no confidence in the presence of God in that way. And yet we see glimpses of people who, who did have confidence before God. We see glimpses of people that were friends of God. We see glimpses of people that were in his presence and, um, and not afraid. And it was a precursor to what God was going to accomplish through the Son. And so uh, Hebrews says this, and... Um, and I'm sorry if this is all over the place. There's something here. Uh, something. Um, 
Okay. It's in Hebrews 4. And this is what we have now because of Jesus. So you saw that picture. No confidence at all. Not even for the high priest. Not even for the one who was set apart in a way that none of the other people were. And this is what it says. It says, therefore, verse 14, chapter 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet did not sin. That did not sin part is really important. Because he did not sin, he was able to ascend into heaven on our behalf. And he's seated now at the right hand of the Father in victory because that's what he's accomplished on our behalf. Verse 15, uh, that's where we are. Yet did not sin. Verse 16, the, the implication of that is this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. With confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And this is what it says about the high priest. Every high priest is selected among the people, appointed to represent the people in matters related to God. Do you see that right there, the shift? So when we walk in this room tonight, and we walk into worship, we walk into the presence of God freely, it wasn't free. It's Jesus. But now it is free because of him. We can walk in free. And actually, we can walk into the presence of God full of confidence. And so, you know, if we're driving on the way here and we have a few choice words or, you know, we're stuck in traffic and angry and upset, right? I, didn't, I knew you said you didn't have a few choice words, so I, that's hypothetical. Um, <laughs> we don't have to run from God. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to hide from God. In fact, he said the opposite, come near to me. In full assurance and full confidence, because that's what I've made a way for you to have now through my son. And I believe this is actually the this is actually the, the very basis for which we then step into this role of a kingdom, a nation, a people, a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood. It means that you and I, all of us, God has a vision for our life that we would actually be representatives of him wherever we go. Bearers of his presence. Making him accessible in the world around us. And thus fulfilling the desire that he has for all people in that way. That they would know him and be known by him. See, that is actually at the core, the vision of God for this thing called a royal priesthood. And it's at the core of your identity and call in God. To be a son and a daughter means to be a representative of the family of your father. And as a representative, that's your role, priest. I don't know, how many of you ever thought of yourself as a priest? Yeah, I didn't think so. (laughs) It's not on your resume, is it? But you are. 
Because that's what God said. I made a way. I made a way for you to have confidence before me and in my presence to invite other people into that place. To let other people know what I'm like. To represent me before them. Before the world. See, you don't have to settle for somebody else's relationship with God. And gleaning the scraps from that. And I think that's actually where we're going to leave it tonight. Is I want to encourage you in that. And I want to challenge you in that. I think the first application to this idea that we are all priesthood of believers because of Jesus. Is that you don't have to wait for somebody else to go and be with God and to bring you a message. You don't have to get somebody else's revelation. Now, there's something good in that, and God has designed that to be something we share in as the church. But part of the reason we do this sharing time on Sundays is we want to affirm that God can speak to all of us, and he does. You have access to God now through Jesus on your own. You don't need somebody else to go on your behalf because one has gone on your behalf for all time, Jesus. Okay? So the basis by which you come before God with confidence isn't because you're clean. It's actually because, well, you are clean, but it's because Jesus made you clean. It's because of Jesus that you come before God with confidence. He's what has made the right for you, the privilege for you to come to the Father. That's good news. There's an invitation that we really need to take seriously in that. And the first part is that we would just cultivate that place of intimacy, that we would draw near to God instead of distancing ourselves. Next time you think, actually, that something you've done, something you've said, something you thought should push you away from God, I want you to just see Jesus inviting you, just like you said, to draw near to him with confidence. Confidence. You can have confidence before God 24-7 because Jesus' sacrifice, is, it remains. You with me? Okay. I'm going to follow this up next week maybe. Okay. I'm going to close. You guys were such good listeners tonight. I'm going to credit that to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. I just want to close this in prayer along those lines that we would... We would embrace this, this call, this vision, this role of because we're God's chosen possession, God's treasure, that we can just approach him boldly and we do so to know him. And as we get to know him, we also have this um, privilege to represent him. To know him and to represent him. before those that don't. Let's pray.